0: Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by The Gimp. Now that guy knows at the party. Let's dim the lights and start the show.
1: Welcome to The Pestle, everybody. Today's show is brought to you by Lincoln Hawk. Catch Lincoln Hawk performing their hit song every time. This Friday, Unplugged, on MTV. I know that. Where do I know that from? <laughs> you, there's 0% chance you know what that one is zero zero percent chance <laughs> welcome to the pestle i'm wes and i'm todd <laughs> and this is the show where we look to i don't know dissect a movie and see what it's made of why it ticks as both filmmakers and producers ish uh mm-hmm. you're more a producer i hate producing <laughs> what does a producer do oh uh Everything that a director doesn't, <laughs> preferably, yeah.
0: Uh, just, um, you know, things you just make all the, the gears turn and you know, put people together, make sure everything you know pans out the way it's supposed to. I mean, uh, sometimes you're a location scout, other times you're casting agent, other times you're craft services. It just depends on the level that you're that you're working at it it's it's all of those things yeah
1: it was funny before i got into filmmaking i would hear the term producer and it just was this nebulous vague thing still is it still is because of everything you just It's like yeah. you could be wearing any number of hats you know some producers really just like to be the ones who put the project together hey i found a great script i think you're the right man to direct it and i think you should really talk to these people and i'm going to find this great crew and and then they just kind of sit back and say, "Now I'm just your support system. You tell me what you need, and I'll get it." Yeah. And then others, I think, probably like to be even more involved and have their hands in every area, and they're on set and they're mm-hmm. uh, constantly giving feedback. And for better or worse, you know, it's one of those weird things about the creative aspect is not unlike a kitchen. It's like that idea of too many chefs in the kitchen. That can be the case, but sometimes you also need, I don't know anything about cooking, (laughs) but I assume sometimes you need someone that can improvise on the fly and figure out, Oh, you know what? Tonight, this is really working. And certainly in creative circles, you have your team that you get used to working with and they know your shortcomings or the things that you're not as good at that Mm -hmm. you don't want to be doing. And the things that you are good at. And I think a good producer really helps you just stay in the area that you're really good at and know how to kind of distribute some of that weight for you. Yeah, definitely.
0: I mean, otherwise it all falls in the director and it should never, that should never be the case, right? Cause that just makes everything worse because then it splits your attention as the director from, you know, being creative and making this, this thing that we're all trying to work on or work toward to something else like, Oh, we haven't broke for lunch yet. Like, <laughs> you know, it's been seven hours. You should probably <laughs> <eat>. um,
1: <clears throat> yeah. The last thing yeah. you want is your director thinking about, do we have enough extras? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, as
0: you know, in the producer role, it really depends on the level of the project. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, my dream is always to, you have you still even as the producer, you have like people that do other things. You know, you you find the hair and makeup or the wardrobe person. You find the casting agent. You find the location scout, and the, all those people do all those things, right? But more often than not, there's no budget for those <laughs> yeah. people, and those are ancillary people. <laughs> right. So, um, I mean, some, most of the time, there's no budget for a producer. That's let's true. Be honest, yeah. you know. Short of a director, I feel like if you can afford it, bringing a producer on makes everything go so much more smoothly, which and allows the produce the director to actually do his job better. So the product is, you know, the outcome is actually better. You
1: know, usually, absolutely. It's one of those things where you don't understand. Oh man, what could you possibly do with you know a ten million dollar budget? You would be surprised because those ancillary things are the things that tend to end up on screen much quicker than some of the other things. And by that, I mean like a hair and makeup and a wardrobe person. Suddenly you're putting things directly on screen. How your actor looks is a major part of how your film is going to look. That's it's such a big deal to be able to have someone look at your character from a wardrobe designer perspective and say, Oh, I'm getting this vibe from the director, the script, the actor and Now the director saying, or the, the DP, the cinematographer saying, I'm seeing this kind of color palette. Okay. Well in that case, you know, giving all these things, the emotion of the script and the character, the way they walk and the way they talk and the color palette of the DP, I'm going to put all those things together and give them so many options instead of, Saying, "Hey, actor, just bring what you have from home." <laughs> oh God! Okay. Yeah, always, always, Which still, always, happens. still the case. Yeah. That said, that's kind of yeah, good. Segue. Some of the perspective, yeah, that we yeah. that we bring into whenever we do analysis. Like we have all this behind the camera and in front of the camera experience. That it's pretty fun, I think, to yeah. kind of dissect things. And today we're going to be doing First Man. Which is a it's
0: it's good that we actually you know went from like a hair and makeup person into the discussion of this movie because it is a period piece. It's mm-hmm. you know uh, in the sixties of the space race and and um, going to the moon. Obviously, obviously, a, a set director, a set designer, is of the utmost importance here because you the the viewer has to feel like they're in nineteen the nineteen sixties everything everybody's wearing, um, how they're acting, everything that you're seeing on screen has to convince you that you're in the 60s. And so it's like, that's an example of something where if it was just a director showing up without a hair, makeup, wardrobe person, like, you know, it wouldn't, it would not have the same feel. At at all. all. No. Um, And it's so funny. I, I keep going back because I'm a musician. I just always think of like ways to simplify things. Right. So, and I've talked about this before when you're making a, a record, you could literally make it by yourself in your bedroom with a, a laptop right and movies are so not like that. I mean there is short of a like a one off script that you write for yourself and you set up a camera by <laughs> in, you know on a tripod and like or whatever th- there's just no way to make a film a good film by yourself it is a collaborative effort, totally, totally different from music in that vein. And I've always tried to marry the two somehow. I don't know why I try to, but I just really do. And I just can't there because if you want it done right, you need other people to do it from the director who's somebody who can step outside of what's happening on screen and, and see it for the truth that it's supposed to try to convey to the actors who are trying to convey that truth to the, to the camera person um, who's trying to capture that truth to the hair and makeup, to all of these people that are, that are amazing at what they do. That one thing that they do so well, um, and, and it just brings everything to life. And the more that you're able to incorporate all the, all of those people, the more different people you're able to incorporate, the more real it feels. And the and that's the whole goal, right? So I'm not really sure how to marry those two. Yeah. But I just keep trying to do it. It's and, an incredible yeah. feat.
1: I've always heard it said that it's a miracle any movie gets made. Oh, man, 100%. It's yeah. crazy just the amount of of everything from just starting with a good script to finding someone who wants to create it to finding the budget to mm-hmm. make it happen. And then <laughs> yeah. All the and in scheduling. that case we're talking
0: about guys like us that yeah. don't have like the connections at like a major, a major studio and things like that or like to get a script in the hands of Matthew McConaughey right. or, or whatever. But like, you know, that's obviously the goal. But you know, the, uh, what we do is, okay, we have, six hundred dollars. Right. <laughs> what
1: can we do? That's amazing for six hundred dollars. Like I remember well, our first music video. I want to say we shot for under two hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. You know, one of the best times of my life, mm-hmm. bar none.
0: Yeah. And, and, in, you know, a lot of cases, a lot of amazing stuff comes out of stuff like that. You know, we were talking today whiplash. I'm sure was a very small budget for their, the short, um, that they did and a lot of times I think, you know, I mean, to go back to music, there's a, there's a thing they call the sophomore slump and there's a reason for that. And what that is essentially is that, uh, you know, a band comes out and they put out a record and it's amazing. It's incredible. Let's, let's say, let's use uh, Live, Ooh, the band Live, Throwing Copper. Mm-hmm. Throwing Copper was their debut record. Incredible record right won grammys it was like oh my god where it are selling come out from? of stores oh just everywhere and then you know what was the next one dolphins cry or whatever i don't know who knows yeah who knows? that sounds maybe bar, one yeah. of you out there knows but the, the <laughs> n- most of us don't and there's a reason for that the reason is, is their first record you put it's it's a culmination of a life's work yeah of of everything that you've done from the moment you decided you liked music until making this record has led to this record, this one record. And so on, you say everything you can say on this first record, and then you have a year, maybe two, to to do that all over again. And nine times out of ten, you you can't catch that spark again. Now, obviously, there are many exceptions, U2, Metallica, uh, Radiohead, Radiohead, Pearl Jam, like you know, Kanye Vaughan, like, for me, Kanye. So like, yeah, there's, there's plenty of examples of, they're not that, but most of the time yeah. bands are, you know, they fall in that category. And I feel like there's something to be said about a small budget uh, film, you know, where you just have something to say, yeah, you know, and it, and you find a way to do it and you had that gorilla style that gorilla feel of, of I'm just going to make this fucking happen and damn everything else. We're just going to do this. And there's, and you can capture that on uh, the film or the, the, the card or whatever yeah, it wax. is, you know? <laughs> um, and yeah,
1: so there's something to be said about that. I don't know. There really is. Mm-hmm. Like I, that's one of the things that's excited me, not just about First Man, but about the director behind it, Damien Chazelle, is like you said, Whiplash was such a small film. I mean, it, because of the characters in it, it felt bigger in life. But And to just parlay that into La La Land, which obviously just exploded, uh, was a cultural phenomenon really. And now First Man, it's just an incredible... An encouraging thing for me to watch as a, you know, wannabe director of feature films to say, oh man, this guy is doing whatever he wants and he's being wildly successful at it. I don't know that you can bottle it up, but God, I want to find out if I yeah, <laughs> if it's possible. Right? <laughs> so, if you haven't seen First Man, beware there are spoilers ahead, and we're going to cover a lot of things today. We're going to talk about. Uh, the camera work, cinematography, some of the story, and other such stuff and things and stuff, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe we'll talk about the difference
0: between camera work and cinematography
1: maybe, yeah maybe because I, that's a little unclear i yeah there me. may not there may not be a difference. I just separated them out <laughs> okay, because of whatever reason whenever I think of, i don't know is there uh subtly, maybe yeah, in terms yeah. of. I don't know, taxonomy. I guess, the, I guess, yeah, camera, camera work, work
0: is what you're doing with the camera. Cinematography is what's
1: being captured. Yeah. Right. More or less. Yeah. I would say camera work is a subcategory of cinematography. You're okay. absolutely okay. right about that. Okay. I, I broke it out here separately. Just maybe just to have, um, have it sound have like more. I have more things to <laughs> talk said. about. How about the performances too? <laughs> yeah. God. Like, I only got to see this once so my notes were very very limited uh, which is partly why we buffered out the intro so so well <laughs> but, oh, I thought we were just talking we were okay. and that was great you're proud of that <laughs> yeah.
0: they don't all have to be an hour they don't they okay don't. Uh, all right well here's a quick synopsis of the film again if you haven't seen first man which most of you probably haven't many of you probably haven't yeah. yet but if you have have great if not pause this go watch it come back a look at the life of the astronaut Neil Armstrong and the legendary space mission that led him to become the first man to walk on the moon on July 20th, 1969. Directed by Damien Chazelle. Screenplay by Josh Singer. Based on the book by James R. Hansen. Starring Ryan Gosling as Neil Armstrong. Claire Foy as Janet Armstrong. Jason Clark as Ed White. Kyle Chandler as Deke. Thank you. Slayton. Olivia Hamilton as Pat White. Shay Wingham as Gus Grissom. And Patrick Fugit as Elliot C. I don't know what space exploration will uncover, but I don't think it'll be exploration just for the sake of exploration. I think it'll be more the fact that it allows us to see things that
1: maybe we should have seen a long time ago. But... Just haven't been able to until now. Does anyone have anything else? Yeah, Neil. I was sorry to hear about your daughter. I'm sorry. Is there a question?
0: Um. What I what I mean is, uh, do you think it will have an effect? I think it would be unreasonable to assume that it wouldn't have some effect
1: that's such a quiet but strong scene so for those of you who who
0: well if you've seen it which i'm assuming that you have because you're still listening <laughs> uh obviously his daughter has passed be- um. from cancer so uh, and he's asking him if it is going to affect his training and and his journey duh What a stupid fucking question <laughs> i wonder a, if that was really asked of him
1: yeah i i wonder i wonder about a lot of that too because that moment and obviously the ending was so pointed not a, that you have to wonder like was that just liberties being taken like did what, he just uh yeah with the bracelet. The bracelet? Like, is that just a liberty being taken to help sustain the metaphor of what the moon trip did for him? Or uh, did he literally have to answer that question and deal with, I don't, I don't want to call him an idiot, but, you know, it was clearly two conflicting personalities, you know, because one guy is trying to generally bring up a, an issue, a potential issue. That's a very real question that needs to be addressed because if you're going to sit on top of a rocket filled with fuel, you have to know the emotional state of the people that's climbing in it. I don't Mm -hmm. think that's a, an irresponsible question. It's very responsible. And meanwhile, Neil is clearly trying to demonstrate, you know, he's mastered his emotions and he's a man of facts like Mm -hmm. this. He's an engineer. He's got an engineer's mindset of, uh, pure logic and compartmentalization. And he's just trying to say, yeah, it's there. It's an issue. What next? (laughs) Yeah. I,
0: yeah, I think it's a reasonable question, just just asked in a unreasonable way. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Phrased unreasonably, mm.
1: totally. What hit you about this movie? I mean, I think we both oh, my God. were really affected. I would yeah. say you seemed more affected than I, than I was, even though I really loved this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean,
0: his daughter looked a lot like my daughter. She was exactly the same age. I mean, it seemed like it, you know, with the blonde curly hair and... And her being sick, and him holding her, and it just was like was heartbreaking. And then, and you know, I didn't. I think maybe I knew that he had a daughter that he lost, but I maybe I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. And um, when she died so quick at the in the beginning of the movie, I just was like, oh my god, like, wow, this is gonna be a ride. And then I, I didn't expect him to have the bracelet at the end. And I hope he did it in real life, but if he didn't, I'm okay with them yeah. taking that liberty. I thought it was beautiful, like, or I mean, the way I don't even understand, like the way they shot that, like what, how it was so effective. It, I really felt like I was on the on the damn moon, you know, just the 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 stark shots of the starless black sky. On, on this white horizon or gray horizon, you know, like where the camera's just locked off for a good ten seconds, and and just you know the the huge contrast between the the cr- the darkness of the crater that he was standing in front of and the and the the grayness of the actual moon, and then you see the Earth in the background. I, I mean, it was very. Uh, I mean, I guess the cinematography aspect of this you know plays in it it was just amazing i really felt like i was there and i felt like when he had that that bracelet and he was leaving it there he it was i was feeling what he was feeling it was really really effective so for me it was just it was his daughter that made the movie for me i mean it would have been a decent movie without it but it was a really great movie with it the emotional pull just yeah, yeah yeah made it everything for you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. cause we all know the story. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting him to blow up. Obviously I knew, yeah. you know, that he was going to succeed the whole time. But in, in cases like that, it's not the actual success. It's the, it's the why they're doing it in the first place that actually like, yeah. you know, pulls at you. And if he hadn't lost his daughter, you know, you might've been asking whether intrinsically or, Actually, you know, physically asking why, you know, why does he want to go to the moon? Oh, he just likes the moon. Okay. Okay, cool. Everybody likes the moon. <laughs> sure. But, but no, it was like bigger, it was more important. He was trying, you know, for whatever reason, trying to maybe get to her or like extend his reach a little bit farther than anybody else's to try to reach her or to do something that's lasting because you know, we don't. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure, but for whatever reason, I felt like I was on that ride with him. I mean, obviously because it felt like very much like my daughter. So
1: yeah. 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 What about you? (sighs) I mean, it'll probably get covered mildly in my, you know, breakdown, but Mm -hmm. the emotion was certainly everything in this movie. Um, And, I think what really pulled me in because you're right. I mean, we all know the story that we got to the moon and uh, there were prices paid along the way. There was a big space race uh, between us and Russia at the time that, so there was all these world powers at, I don't know, at play. So the stakes, you know, nationally have always been the discussion, but the stakes personally never have Mm. like we've never heard his story. And more importantly, This was, I was thinking about this at the very end when I was like, why, I don't remember ever seeing his story or even just a trip to the moon really being told like this. I think the right stuff is probably as close as we get. And even that I feel like is, I haven't watched it in forever, so I don't really, I'm not going to speak to it, but I've, I've never felt like we've had this close of a, Telling of this story. And so that just kind of blew my mind that something so monumental in humanity, it's one of the biggest moments as a race that we've ever accomplished that it hasn't had this kind of treatment before. And what struck me about this film was just the sheer emotional and empathetic quality of it. And I'm not just talking, I'm not even talking at all about what he dealt with with his family and the daughter. Although that certainly factors in, but I'm talking more about what it's like to sit inside of one of those rockets that's about to explode underneath you. Oh My God. Yes. Like you suddenly begin to grasp the idea of not just the courage of all these guys, especially having just seen one of their buddies, you know, get blown up, but to get back in, but to not just stay in there, but to be effective at their jobs. Like, and it's, yeah. So that in and of itself was what really grabbed me and would not let me go. Did you feel claustrophobic in
0: those, when they would get into the, into the actual spaceship?
1: Yeah. So let's talk about camera work and cinematography. (laughs) (laughs) Segway. Seamless. So, the first thing that jumped out at me from the opening scene yeah. was the close ups. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's the entire movie. We stay mostly in close ups, which is basically a headshot. So, if you don't know what a close up is, if you think of a wide shot being someone that you can see from head to toe, that's a wide shot. And then a medium shot is more or less from the waist up to the head. A medium close might be like from the chest up to the to the head or maybe from the stomach and then a close up is probably going to be something like shoulders and head. And so you're really really tight on someone and why that matters beyond just technical terminology that the director and cinematographer and camera operator can all communicate but for the sake of the film and communicating to the audience it matters because those close ups are very intimate. We are so close to everyone's face. That we're reading every thought and emotion that they're having. This isn't, and this particular movie isn't about the technical marvel of what we accomplished. We spend very little time of that. Instead, it's about the emotional toll and fortitude it took to get there. We've talked before about the magic of a close-up and how you do less, you do less and less and less whenever you're in that kind of close-up, and so we're constantly feeling what these characters are feeling you're you're seeing what neil armstrong is dealing with and you're also seeing how his wife is trying to stay connected with him and and also maintain being poised it's amazing whenever i think about that that era and it, oh, i can't believe i didn't write this down but i was thinking it throughout the film that in those days uh, at least from our perspective my perspective growing up you weren't allowed to express your emotions like it was very much about maintaining composure and mm-hmm. uh, being unaffected. You didn't get to feel pain. I remember being at my grandfather's funeral and hearing my biological father talk about never having heard his dad, my grandfather ever expressed any pain in his entire life until he was, you know, dealing with cancer in the latter stages. And then he heard his, uh, his dad, let out this yell at one point from I don't know walking or bending over, being out in the garden something. But he heard that him let out this yell and it just woke him up. It's like oh my god, my dad is in pain. And that was the first time he said wow. in his life that he ever heard it, and just thinking about that gave me so many questions internally. Like I mean, that's a gift and a curse, right? There's certainly the gift of now you have mental fortitude to deal with whatever comes. You can be the rock in your family, you can stay strong. You can handle adversity probably in, in ways that maybe a lot of people nowadays uh, don't. But on the other hand, you're not dealing with your issues. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the entire film for, for Neil Armstrong was uh, not dealing with his issues. And I'll touch on that here in a, here in a minute. But to your point again about uh, staying close, we do, we feel trapped. We're so close. It feels like we're trapped. You could say it's representative of humanity on earth compared to how much room there is in the universe. There's so much out there that we cannot access yet. We're trapped on earth, but we're working to fix that by taking our first step. And so you could say the composition, the framing is kind of a a perspective on humanity in the greater universe. This is how much we know. This is how much we have access to. And it's not much. Mm -hmm. But we're working on it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you could easily say that it's visually representing what symbolically is happening in the film and in the greater world and universe. The other thing that struck me was the sheer amount of handheld camera work there was. Like, we're... Yeah. yeah. It's almost, it almost made me nauseous at the beginning. Yeah, I think That's the point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, And we're unstable. That's what being handheld is. And I say handheld and it's literally like the camera sitting on your shoulder. You have like this mount that you have your hands on. And so that's handheld versus something that You're on a tripod or you're on what's called a steady cam that has these gimbals and stabilizers that smooths out the shot for you, or you're on a crane or you're on a dolly. Those are all things that add stability to your shot. Steven Spielberg doesn't like handheld on average, but here, Damon Chazelle chose to go handheld a lot. And I think it's to represent there's emotional turmoil and uncertainty. Even though Neil is emotionally blank, right, which to you says nothingness, we can still feel the emotional undercurrent through the camera work. That's a really impressive uh, way to insert us into his emotional world, because even though he's not expressing anything outwardly, we're still connecting with it through the camera movement, which is handheld. And so by contrast, though, this is what was kind of cool to me. And I kept kind of waiting for was at times we get these reprieves from the handheld shaky camera work when they get into space, it's suddenly calm and steady. And I think that could be a statement of Neil's pull into space or where he feels closest to his daughter. Hmm. And suddenly emotionally, he feels a little bit more at peace and calmer. Um, when, when he has these beautiful moments like on the moon or yeah. in the capsule, I, I love, I love that they did this too. Um,
0: cause like, most most uh like rocket ship style movies where they go to space and stuff, you have a lot of wides mm-hmm. to give you this grand feeling, this like large scale, you know, like the, the, just like this, just massive feeling, right? Where in reality, like in this case, when the, the camera is actually in the, the spaceship with them, you and, and it, Shows the doors closing latch close latch and then you don't go outside again uh, and, and you are like in their face you're not you know there might be one shot of you in like the third person on the left seat and you're seeing the two people next to you but you're like right there next to them and then it'll cut to like right in in one of their faces and it just makes you it makes you feel like how they felt small you know like yes you're getting this gigantic huge thing but you never really see it in that in that Mm -hmm. scope if you're one of those people in the actual rocket the scope you see is very small you have a thousand switches in front of you you have a tiny window and and metal everywhere and you're trapped and and they have these perfect moments where they, they would latch you in and then like home the fire scene where nasa was taken forever they were just sitting in there waiting for nasa to figure something out whatever they were doing you know telling them hang tight hang tight and i was sitting i was literally i couldn't breathe i there were a few moments where i had to remind myself to breathe and and I, i just love that they did that because it made me feel just a tiny bit probably of how they felt and how current astronauts probably feel. I don't think that it, a it's probably not is much, much better bigger yeah. than that, <laughs> you know, right now. And it to think this is just the beginning, they're gonna be they're then gonna fly up into space and be in this thing for a, a two weeks like, ah, like <laughs> what that's that's crazy. Uh, so yeah, it was just I, I for me, I loved it because it was a totally different. Like perspective, mm-hmm. most of the time is this grandiose thing, and this time it was very
1: close and minute and small and yeah and I love that because not just of all the emotional and empathetic you know reasons that come along with that, but also I've long been a fan of this idea of you make things look bigger by not showing all of it, yes, it's this yes. idea of scale, like. This is what frustrates me with something, I don't know, like about a really, really big yeah, ship always. and <laughs> about maybe like a really, really large ship that sank a long time ago, for instance. Like if I wanted to really communicate how big that ship was, I would never show a wide shot of it. I, right. would, I would show it always from the people's perspective that shows I can't even see where this thing ends. I think that's so much more interesting and such a better way to communicate the scale of what you're dealing with personally. And I feel like it's much more emotional, uh, impactful. Yeah. And so what I love though, about this story was at the end of the day, you're right. It was about the reasons why he wanted to go there. And for Neil, it seems this is what I got out of it is that he had to go to the moon to reconnect with humanity and that's why that last yeah. shot is so important yeah it's him reconnecting with his wife mm-hmm. and there's glass between them but yeah. but there's really nothing now
0: yeah and and it, that scene is actually really brilliant because you don't know until he reaches his hand out yeah because he they just they slowly walk up to each other you you know they just had that fight and you don't know what's going to happen. And they're just staring at each other, blank slate.
1: And she's feeling defeated. You could feel yeah. it like she's like, okay, we're like, still at the same place.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and I don't know where we're supposed to go yeah. now. And and I don't know if I've lost him completely or, you know, or whatever. And then he gives it to her that he's he's back, I guess, essentially. Yeah,
1: I mean, you could, you know, say as cheesy as it sounds that, that is actually his first step
0: Mm, mm
1: -hmm. back to humanity and back to back to his family and back to his wife. Yeah. That's beautiful. The other thing that really, really shocked me watching the film. um, So they shot this on film and multitude. I'm looking at at the tech specs on IMDb, by the way, you can always do that if you're curious if they, what they shot something on. 90% of the time they'll list it in IMDb under technical specifications. And here they That's shot cool. it on three different types of film. They shot it on 16mm, 35, and 65. How do you do that? <laughs> How do you shoot it on three different stocks? Yeah. That's crazy. You don't shoot it three different times. It's it's No, you're picking your scenes, I think, and you're saying, "Oh, this scene needs to be more grainy and more uh, unstable." And so, oh, probably that opening scene, maybe that was 16 millimeter. Mm -hmm. That's what I would gamble. And then maybe the other case is, oh, well, just depending on the camera size and room, it might just make sense to go smaller Mm -hmm. and say, oh, let's just get a smaller camera in there and that's going to be your 16. Whereas a 65 was certainly all the moon shots. Um, I doubt they used any 65 at home uh, on earth, but if you want to sell them a the majesty of what they're seeing on the moon, then definitely 65 is the way to go. Yeah. And that, God, man, I keep thinking about that pan shot when they're on the moon and they just kind of pan over to re- oh, yeah. reveal the, uh, the the ship. Yeah, It's like, <laughs> it's <laughs> how did they do uh, I it? I don't know. I, it was, it's just so
0: beautiful. And just, you, you brought up the opening shot or the opening scene. Um, if we could talk about that for mm-hmm. just a second, because, you know, they say, the uh, the first scene and the last scene are the most important of a movie, right? Yeah, and that's true because it's it's how you're going to set up the, what your what your viewers are going to see for the rest of the hour and a half, two hours, and it's what you're going to leave them with. There are two very stark differences in how it starts and how it ends. the The, the start sets up the the whole shaky, it's chaotic, candle, it's chaotic, it's super close up. You don't know what the f- fuck is happening like half the time and i found myself wanting out yeah of that ship you know like i just wanted him to like pull the cord and and you know eject so that i could have a reprieve Mm -hmm. not necessarily even him just me you know so that was an amazing setup for the rest of the film like okay this is it's gonna be a ride if it's good, this is going to be a ride or that
1: was just really annoying. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? <laughs> Cause I found myself starting to check out a little bit in yeah. that process. And I was like, okay, I don't care about any of this. If he dies right now, I literally do not care. Yeah. Like, yeah. cool. Nice knowing you. Yeah. And then of course, you know, all the stuff with the family starts to happen, but continue your point. I sound like oh. you were heading. Oh yeah. yeah. D- just, um, I, I loved the
0: start, the, the change from the beginning to the end because he's a totally different person at the end. You know, at the beginning he, he, his daughter hadn't passed yet. He hadn't been to the moon. He hadn't gone through all that training. He hadn't moved this family. He hadn't had that, the fight with his wife. He hadn't lost himself and found himself again. So the last shot is totally different. The last shot is a I think it's a two shot mm-hmm. of both of them. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's not necessarily a wide, but it's definitely at least a medium. Yeah. And, and uh it's stable yeah on sticks yeah that's such a great and point, calm man. you know like it's and then cut to black it, it was just a really good you know like come to to
1: fruition yeah, it's the perfect feeling. arc like yeah. this is the emotional journey of this character And I think you said it absolutely perfectly. I Mm. don't have anything to add. (laughs) Well, and and then you you remember when it ended, I said, Oh, that ended quick. Yeah.
0: And I think it was just because I I was so used to all the craziness. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you get this one little reprieve and I just want to bask in it for a little (laughs) bit, you know, because like, Oh, sticks. Oh, thank God. (laughs) But then that they just give you that a little bit because obviously life, yeah. you know it's like this it's like a roller coaster so sometimes you're going to be on sticks and other times you're going to be handheld and it's just you know what it is even after you've been to the moon yeah but yeah it was it, i just wanted to point out that opening scene was was like really good setup and what they left you with was really good too
1: excellent yeah. excellent point uh the thing that really surprised me though with some of their shot selections mm was there are so many soft-focus shots. It's a really amazing thing to me because it's a pretty, I assume, a pretty big budget. I'll look it up here in a minute. But this is a big-budget film with big-budget actors telling a big-budget story. And this is not normally the kind of thing you'll find out-of-focus shots on. Yeah. Whenever I say soft focus, that just means out of focus. And so Mm -hmm. it's just not quite tack sharp. And there are tons and tons of these shots. And I don't think they went in with the intention of doing that. It's just one of those things that, for instance, when Neil says to Ed that he could use a beer and that's his attempt at finally kind of reaching out to somebody. And of course, not much longer after that, Ed dies. And so the one person he was finally connecting with uh, is no longer. But in that moment, that's a really important moment. And what I love about that shot is it's really soft on Neil, on Ryan Gosling, and it's out of, slightly out of focus. But they chose it anyway because the performance ruled. I don't know what their other options were, but they liked that shot the best because of, I would guess, that that wasn't the only shot they got of that. Yeah. Normally there's this idea when you're on set, oh, did you like that shot? Yeah, it was really good. Do you want to move on? No, one more for safety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's the best practice. And maybe Damien Chazelle is just this crazy kooky guy where he's like, nope, we got it in one, I'm doing it. And that happens sometimes where there's shots that are soft because the director was really happy with the performance and that's what really matters. And so no matter how you slice it, performance rules, whether it was on the day they said, we don't need another shot because that was a performance I wanted. And, or you get into post and you said, yeah, we have all these other options and they're all sharp, but I think this is the, the shot that really sells the performance and what this character is dealing with. And so he chose the better performance no matter what the case is. And I love that because so many other directors or cinematographers will, will choose a shot based on its technical quality instead of the emotional quality. And at the end of the day, you have to remember you're telling a story and it's the emotional quality that should really count for more than anything. And unless, I mean, it's just better be something that is actually ruining the emotion of the moment. Like there's a weird background extra who's, like giving you the bird boom pole (laughs) yeah Yeah. or a boom pole something that actually ruins the moment yeah but if if that's not the case then i'm a really big fan of screw continuity Mm -hmm. screw some of the technical qualities give me the better performance that's what the audience is going to remember yeah and if they're not then they're probably not the right audience for you Yeah.
0: right (laughs) they probably wouldn't like it even if you put in the other one that's
1: i think that's right the other thing that I we, we touched on a little as we were walking out of the theater uh, was the sound design. Oh, yeah, Man, we go from that opening se- sequence of him getting into the stratosphere and then coming back down. And there's, I don't know what happened between these two scenes, if anything at all. But suddenly there's just this loud clicking. Click, 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 click. And it's the sound of the, casket of his daughter karen being lowered into the ground and that's the only noise that's banging throughout the theater man is it driving home the importance of what just happened yeah uh through that little story they tell of his daughter mm-hmm. uh, how she's sick and she can't go out anymore and blah blah blah. and suddenly oh wait what oh god because you're kind, it's so fast it's so fast and you're just rooting for. Her. You're like, okay, well, what's going to happen? Is she going to get better? And they answer that so fast before yeah. you really even understand the gravity of what they're dealing with. Yeah, and that's just great sound design that's aimed for just an emotional punch mm. that's going to last for the entire movie. Yeah, and it has to. Yeah, and so they they use the sound design not not just as another way to add to, but almost as a way to convey mm-hmm. everything that's happening. Uh, because he's not, you're not going to get it from Neil. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, he's, he's not flat. Gonna to you. Yeah, totally. He's withdrawn, he's cocooned. And then, you know, fast forward later into the film, uh, as we're experiencing them sitting, and we touched on this a little while ago, but like the submarine like metal pressurizing of the tube and the groaning of all the metal, and mm. you're feeling the bolts settling in, and it's just, it's gut wrenching on its own. You're beginning to finally understand what it meant for those guys to climb into a rocket. Yeah. And like you said earlier, you, you see them bolt the door closed from the inside. Yeah. You're like, Oh, everyone here is committed. Yeah,
0: absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, another aspect about that, that, like there are a lot of little subtle things that they convey. I mean, I don't know how many people really actually like think about it, what, what it's like to be an astronaut. Right. but, or what it's like to work for NASA and and send astronauts up into space and and stuff, but like there was a lot of cost to what they were doing, and they identify that heavily in the film. You know, like it's a it's a major theme of NASA spending billions and we're going nowhere. We're still on the ground and and we're getting beat by the Russians when when people are starving in our country and stuff. And
1: but you know what I love about that. Is whenever they're having that conversation where they're all on Capitol Hill schmoozing in D.C., I love that they're intercutting and it took me half a moment to realize the scene that was about to happen. And when I did, I was just, oh, my God, I'm not ready for this is the explosion and fire that killed Gus Grissom and Ed and three astronauts that were waiting to do something amazing and they all die and they're intercutting that. And it goes going right back to sound design. We experience what they experience, the locking, the click, the fire. And it's so loud and it's so personal. And then that explosion. And we just sit from the outside watching the the metal dent and try to uh, explode out. And we just sit on that for several, several seconds before cutting back to Capitol Hill and all the discussion about the money being spent. And they undercut all of that by the phone call.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And now Neil is once again dealing with death and dealing with the actual cost. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, and I, I, as you know, a fiscal libertarian really do appreciate like the financial burden of, of this kind of thing, but it still pales a comparison, right? Mm. To the human toll. Yeah. And, and
0: the other aspect I was going to say that they go towards or that they, they Mm-hmm. They lean on is NASA really did put they they convey that NASA really did put the the safety in front of everything else even though they did lose lives yeah. you know what I mean yeah yeah like it's so easy to say we spent billions on this and it's taken years we're doing it and not necessarily to say that we don't care if people die but just just to to. It's it's easy for this movie to not focus on to not uh, convey that they cared. Yeah, you know what I mean. That, yeah. that that would just that's just an ancillary addition that they didn't have to to convey, but they really did. I mean, the the director I forgot his name, but he's in everything. The NASA director. Oh, yeah. You know who I'm talking yeah. about. Really did care about everybody, and when Gus and then those guys died, it was. Gut wrenching for him and for NASA, and and it was obviously very effective. And I um, lost
1: one of their boys. It wasn't. Yeah, and the movie didn't
0: have that. What they didn't have to convey that, but it was very important that they did. And I'm I'm glad that they did because I actually, when you're telling a story like this, I feel like you have to lean on a bunch of different things, where a, a different type of movie doesn't necessarily need to. So like, this movie, like I said in the beginning, you know he's going to succeed. You know who he is. Uh, a lot of people probably know all the story, the story, all the other details about Gus dying and, and yeah. all that stuff. They probably know all about that stuff. Um, so you have to lean on other things. You have to lean on, you know, the fact that the that. Um, citizens were were upset because of all the money, the the fact that that like I just said that NASA actually cares about these people that they they put safety in front of everything, but they still lost lives, but they still pushed forward. You know, like all of the, um on Neil losing his daughter, his why, his wife wrestling with him, and he him wrestling with telling his sons that he might not come home. Like all of these things have to be webbed into the story for a story that most people know because they don't those are things that they don't know. Yeah. You know? And I think that they did the writing was really brilliant in this case and they they really knocked that home.
1: Yeah, I was really surprised actually went whenever I got home last night, uh, looked up that screenplay writer just because I was like, Man, who is this guy? Uh it was Josh Singer, as you said at the beginning. Oh yeah. And he's written he wrote uh yeah, he wrote Spotlight. Uh, which recovered recently uh he wrote the post which i was a big fan of and he's got a ton of other writing credits like fringe which is a tv show i really enjoyed lie to me which i really enjoyed and so and the west wing oh god yeah so he's got some pretty good bona fides Uh, and clearly he's coming into his own as he just keeps writing these monster films uh and yeah wow yeah, it's an emotional intelligence though of understanding where is the real story and what's what's gonna to your point what's gonna surprise the audience.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Cause how do you do that with such a famous moment? Yeah. I mean you have to you have to teach the audience something that they didn't really know before. Yeah. You know, but in a way that's that's, you know, compelling and convicting instead of just telling you this is what happened, like making you feel it. Yeah. All of those things. And I feel like this film really really did that um, I, it stuck with me uh, you know the rest of the night into today and uh, yeah I thought it was it's definitely worth the price of admission for sure. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So the budget on this by the way $59 million. Hmm. So it's not a crazy, crazy budget. Yeah. I mean, a pretty healthy budget for someone who's making his third movie. Yeah. <laughs> true. True. But still like not by Hollywood standards, not outrageous. Yeah. I mean, I love the way that he did it. Yeah.
0: I mean, just, you know, close ups 90% of the time makes you, I mean, you are in it. Yeah. <laughs> you can't get out. Uh, I mean, it's almost exhausting. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I felt my, I mean, my eyes were just, and we were granted, we were sitting in the front row for this whole thing. So and normally I'm totally fine with that. In this case, it was a little much. Yeah.
1: Same. I was like, man, am I going to have to get up and go back? Yeah. <laughs> but row I adjusted, three. I guess. I, I
0: suggest row three yeah. to anybody <laughs> out there. If you haven't actually seen it yet, why are you listening to this?
1: But yeah. Third row. Mm-hmm. And so that pretty much does it for me, man. Yeah. What would you give it? Uh, man, I wrestled with this. I'm probably between a seven and an eight. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like I really, really do like it. Um, it's probably not something I'll watch again. I doubt. I mean, maybe I'll study it, but it's not something that I just want to pick up and hang out in this world again. Maybe scenes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think scenes like the, the fire scene in the the rocket and a few others. Yeah. I would, I would say probably a solid eight yeah maybe on a good day eight and a half yeah which is really really good i mean mm-hmm. i i it was definitely a a compelling experience yeah in the in the
1: in the theater absolutely agree yeah and so that said what is your recommendation for the week oh
0: awesome well i decided uh to stick with the ryan gosling theme hoo, and go with drive i looked we have not. Are you kidding that. me? No, I'm not kidding. I know, right? Baby Driver. We have.
1: Holy cow! Well, oh, there you go. There you go. I know. <laughs> it's hard to believe that we have not recommended. It's that. crazy because I've just been sitting around recently thinking. At what point are we going to cover Drive? Like it's been in my head the last let's, two or three weeks. Let's we'll put it on the doctor. Pick, your, pick <laughs> them up. <laughs> let's do it. Awesome. I am going to recommend another podcast um i think how dare you it, there is no other I, podcast i think izzy liked my recommendation by the way it was Wes, not todd that recommended in the dark they gave you credit man i'll take it yeah i'll take it it's <laughs> so great
0: great <laughs> what is it again Podcast? Yes. He's a great podcast.
1: <laughs> I think everyone should go listen. I'm going to recommend American History Tellers. It's really, really good. And more specifically, I think season four covers the space race. And they'll dive into so many cool little factoids that they didn't touch on in the film, like how close they were to abandoning the, the moon landing, actually, and uh, where... Neil first discussed the idea of what his first words would be from taking the step. Uh, so they dive into all these little cool little details along so many. I mean, I think it's like a good seven or eight episodes and the voice of that guy, uh, Lindsey Graham is uh, the voice and no, not that Lindsey Graham. <laughs> He's <laughs> got God. like the most incredible voice. And so well worth listening to american history tellers you'll find All the right. link to drive you'll get a nice what do they call it trailer yeah. <laughs> of drive as well as a link to american history tellers in the show notes at the pestle podcast.com slash first man and don't forget to subscribe oh, god i Oh wait! I, lately i've been not looking at the notes quite as well so stay tuned next week todd <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna cover a star is born ah yes this okay is cool your recommendation that's so right i'm that's pretty right. excited to see what this is about i haven't watched it yet so find I, out if we love I or recently, hate it
0: yeah i recently uh saw a little debate that we can talk about on on facebook so
1: ooh, nice about it I am super excited. So stay tuned next week when we cover that and don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Leave us a note saying what you would like us to talk about. We have another episode coming up pretty soon where we cover an anime film and I'm working on getting an interview with a artist that can hopefully shed some light on. Awesome cartoons and whatnot. Yeah. And I also wanted to give a shout out to Izzy for being active in the comments. He went back and commented on our baby driver episode and he said that he loved the editing breakdown and he yeah. loves the, uh, the passion that we bring to the conversation, man. So oh, awesome. Yeah. That, yeah, that's really helpful actually because sometimes I like, man, do we, are we nerding out the right way? <laughs> <laughs> the right way? Yeah. Is there a wrong way to nerd out? I think there might be really, that's yeah. like,
0: that's like another level nerd than, <laughs> You know I mean you just have your normal nerd but then if you nerd out the wrong way then you're a nerd
1: to nerds that's that's pretty good pretty nerdy yeah I don't know if that exists Wheres Joe from Hawaii man I haven't heard of him from him lately so hopefully we haven't lost yeah. lost Joe and our other Joe Joe from down under where has he been at? Oh, I don't know. Joe is H- working. Joe right? Howells. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe he doesn't have time for us anymore. Probably, <laughs>
0: probably. I, yeah, well, I barely have time for us.
1: I'll pull him into an episode. I'm going down to okay. New Zealand here pretty soon. So, yeah, when are you going? Uh, December. So December sixth through January tenth. Holy I'll, crap! Yeah, I'll be there for a while. So for we need to get some episodes in the tank. No, we need. To, we'll just do them remote. We'll do one remote. We don't know if we're gonna like that. What if it's like just a pain in the ass? Because we get so much. What are you talking about,
0: dude? I'll just yeah. But we can see each other. We'll Skype. Skype it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Yeah. The internet. I would like to have like two episodes in the tank just in case. Because if it becomes like unbearable, and it's you know, it's not going to be
0: unbearable. Yeah. It'll be fine. Okay. (laughs) It'll be fine. It'll be fine.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, let's do an episode where we have Joe on. Yes. Maybe we can do Lord of the Rings. I feel like we should do Lord of the Rings since oh, I'm in New Zealand. Can we just do one, don't one movie. Guy. I can't watch that all. Of, <laughs> Dude, I don't
0: have to, I don't have 12 hours of my life to devote to watching all of these films.
1: <laughs> I just don't. I, I, I mean they're amazing, but I just I can't. How about you watch one every like few weeks? And by the time it's ready, you will have watched them all. There's only three of them. There's yeah, that's movies. true. That's true. That's true. Yeah.
0: It's like sitting down playing a video game. I just don't have time to finish yeah, a video game. I definitely feel yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so yeah, make sure to please comment, leave us your notes, uh, tell us what you think, what you hate, what you love, all those things, and recommend uh, some movies for us to do. Maybe we'll, do, um, we'll review your movie. Uh, and we'll leave you with a quote of the day. This one is from Ferdinand Magellan. The church says the earth is flat, but I have seen its shadow on the moon, and I have more confidence even in a shadow than in the church.
1: God, I love that. What? How amazing is that? Did he really say that? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean the internet said it. Yeah, Google so told yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just wow. thinking about like who would I want to hear from about exploring, exploration obviously and Columbus isn't doesn't always come off as the best guy and I don't know much about Magellan, so if y'all want to ruin Magellan for me, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, I want to hear from Magellan. Like, what sure does Magellan he have to say? Or would ruin Magellan. And to find this quote was just yeah. amazing in context with, you know, this film. And I don't really have much to add to it other than I love that he cared more about truth than he did about social norms and the hierarchy at play, Mm -hmm. because I'm sure in his day, he didn't get to be an explorer without the blessing of the church. Oh, yeah, definitely. But he said, you know what? I don't care what the church is telling me about science. I'm going to let science tell me about science Mm -hmm. um, to some extent. And I love that. I love that. I have seen its shadow on the moon. He's talking about the earth. He's seen the earth's shadow on the moon. And it's round, right? That's kind of mm-hmm. what he's getting at. And I have more confidence in the shadow. I,
0: I love God, it because there's, cool. been, there's been all this talk of flat earthers and, yeah. and everything lately, which is it just is unbelievable. But there it is and right there, there in the sky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have, you know, yeah, of course. ways of yeah. saying why, uh, you know, all this stuff. But it, anyway, that, that's crazy that he said that because that's this flat earth thing has been coming up. <laughs> for me in my life for whatever reason <laughs> lately a lot and it's just really really is unbelievable it just makes you think like everybody wants everybody wants to have their own view that that can be heard yeah. right they, they just want to be heard even if it's i'm going to i'm going to say that i believe this absurd thing now because you know five other people think it's true and all of a sudden it's a movement mm-hmm. it's like what it's just crazy but uh, yeah like you said i also like that he 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 has faith in in science and discovery in in and actual does you know actual proven truth rather than something that someone told him sometime might have been true that that person believes to be mm-hmm. true it's like you know let's uh yeah do dogma isn't everything yeah you know yeah let's just let's step out a little bit yeah beautiful quote man good job finding that thank you yeah so thank you guys uh, for listening we really appreciate it as always Uh, so make sure to join us next time we'll do A Star is Born go see it it's in the it's in theaters right now Mm -hmm. Uh, until then I'm Todd I'm Wes go watch the movies